listening to the next installment of the SUS News podcast series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Gene Robinson. Gene, are you out there? Of course, I can't, uh, can't hear Gene. Uh, you there now, Gene? Hello? Uh, this reminds me of how much I hate blog talk radio. Um, <laughs> Come on. Just, can you hear sucks. me yet, Patrick? I can hear you now, but, man, this service really sucks. The audio quality is bad. Everything's always uh, it's always different. Going to have to do something else. Uh, I'm, I'm always uh, always disappointed. But anyway... Enough with my disappointment. We'll, we'll get on to that later on. How are you doing this week, Gene? Well, as usual, things are cranked up. We've got a a major firework in here in Bastrop again, and there's some uh, hanky-panky going on by the illustrious Lone Star Center of Excellence Flight Center. And uh, we're trying to get the resources out there to them. And, uh, gosh, there's politics as usual in Texas. Oh, I think those politics are everywhere. And is it the same same group of experts who, uh, well, God, you know, it sounds like sour grapes sometimes, but it's just kind of funny how, uh, you know, people are falling all over themselves to be the, uh, the the drone god or whatever. So what's going on with that? You think you're going to be out there flying or you got to, like, weed through all the politics first and then hit the FAA up for some uh, slowdown? What, what, how do you think this is going to play out this time? You know, it's interesting because um, uh, we, had, at the first, at the outset of the fire, when the first 50 acres was burning, uh, the red team, the robotic emergency deployment team, Austin Fire Department, uh, volunteered their services. And uh, incident command asked us to stand by and went from 50 acres to 250 acres. And then by day two, it was 2,000 acres, and we still hadn't gotten a call. And uh, then, uh, oddly enough, there's a TFR that's put up a temporary flight restriction for you folks that aren't pilots out there. And as we tried to contact the FAA to find out just exactly who owned the, the TFR, there was no ownership. Uh, even the FAA didn't know who owned it. So there was no point of contact or anything like that. So it, it, it ends up being pretty frustrating, you know, when you're trying to go out there and you have the capability to help and, Gosh, there's uh, nothing you can do but uh, make like Nero and watch as Rome, and Rome burns. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes we're, as a species, create problems for ourselves. And, uh, you know, I, I, too much government regulation, too many hurdles to get over. But that's another podcast. It is. And if you should happen to hear me drop out, it's because I may get a call in the podcast. And if I do have to drop out, I'll let you know. But uh, uh, I know we've got a lot more pleasant things to talk about than fires in Texas. Well, you know. Okay, well, yeah, just give us a little warning on that. And then this will turn into like a, a monologue, <clears throat> you know. But maybe I'll uh, I'll do some advertising during this middle of that or sing a song. We'll see what happens. Anyway, 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, again, um, one thing, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about being on the road um, and all of the different shows we were at. First, I want to say thanks to all the people that listen to the podcast and read the news. Um, You know, really nice to when people come up and and give you feedback and say, oh, God, I listen to all of the shows. I love the program. There's great content. You know, we're not we're not just here speculating about possible uses in the future that have already been done, but we have experts on that have actually been doing this stuff for ten years. No way. So that's kind of <laughs> nice. And uh, you know, as you had mentioned, I saw you at that the, uh, the commercial UAV expo. So nice people come up, hey, want to take a selfie or you know, shake your hand or or whatever. I I really enjoy that. About you. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty interesting at uh, at the commercial show, uh, commercial UA show in in uh, Las Vegas. How many people will come? Hey, you're that guy on the the podcast. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. And you're the guy that wrote the book. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. You know, it was it was kind of interesting how that all played out. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice that uh, people understand that we're we're trying to do something. Um, it's kind of funny. People are, you know, oh, you know, what about the podcast? How come you're not doing more? It's like, oh, God. Because it is, you know, it's hard to, to be on the road and do everything and be everywhere. And all of the rest of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, I know you're you're always too busy doing stuff, and I'm try- busy trying to do stuff. And uh, we're already starting to gear up for the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo which yep. takes a bunch of time. Veronica's actually over here reading her email. What's, you're supposed to be working on on the expo thing. No, I'm teasing. She's, she's diligently working away right now on the on the expo stuff. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about some of the, uh, some of the uh, shows that we've been at. Some people don't like when they get called shows, symposiums, whatever you want to call them. I don't know. And I know that you were on the road. You started out, you were on the road even before I was on the road last month. Um, you had a few things going on. What, what was some of the stuff that you were doing? Well, we started out with the uh, the Interdrone there in Vegas okay. again. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I was quite surprised. Uh, put on up a seminar for search and rescue again. was on a panel for that as well. So that but, you know, kind of right in my wheelhouse, and it was very enjoyable doing that. And there were a lot of folks that attended that particular session, and it was pretty evenly split between first responders and people who wanted to support first responders. And um, I would say in a room uh, uh, that seated probably 200 people, it was three-quarters full, Lots of good questions, and you know you have a good panel when uh, everybody bum rushes the table and, you know, they have to to hustle you out because the next session is starting and you're taking up too much time with with the questions. So, you know, you got to figure that's that's all good when that happens. And and to be honest with you, uh, I thought the show was pretty well attended. Uh, The uh, exhibit hall was very full of people all the time. There was something going on, uh, you know. Of course, all the big names were there. The players that you would expect were there and flying something or demonstrating something. And there was some some really good cutting edge technology out there that we saw and sense and avoid. So you know, I gotta say, uh, kind of thumbs up on the Interdrone one. 
it, it looked like it was pretty well put together. The sessions were spaced pretty well, so you could get, you know, a, a wide variety of topics in. So, you know, good one on that one. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you and I met up at the uh, conference, the commercial conference show, whatever they want to call it, in uh, Vegas at Caesars Palace. And uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, if you, a $10 bill is a Caesars Palace one, if you know what I mean. Uh, it was pretty expensive to to get around in that place just to to, to buy food or do whatever. And I, you know, that, that venue is, is pretty steep, but, and it, and it was about attended by about half the people that we saw at Interdrum, which I thought was very interesting because I thought in a bigger venue like that, a ritzier venue that, you know, you'd see more people. Mm. Well, I would definitely say, um, I don't know. There were, there were other shows in there and, and I just want to run through those real quick, but I will, I will share some of my, I, my feelings too. I thought the commercial UAV expo was nice, put on by nice people. Uh, but all of these are the, the thing that some of these commercial shows or the newer shows that are coming on, it bugs me is that the people are not drone people. And even during no, my, I did a, a yeah, and I, I mean, I did a panel on uh, international regulations, which was an hour, which I think I had four people, not including myself, on the panel. Definitely uh, too hard to try and cram that into an hour. I don't think anybody yeah. was done justice on what they were talking about. Way too complex. Uh, I could see a lot of people looking out there. You know, they, I, they don't know what, what we were talking about because it was like a condensing. You really have to be kind of in the know, um, say, top strata of what's happening to be able to uh, figure out what was going on there. The other thing, uh, you know, was I asked another question. I don't really go to a lot of the panels because I'm getting tired, and this might sound a little negative, but I'm getting tired of hearing the same conjecture from the same people who don't know what they're talking about. So it's a lot of feelings, you know. Bugs me. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of everybody's time. But anyway, the one one thing there was another panel, and it was about the um, Pathfinder, the on visual line of sight, which seems to be like a hot topic. And I I, I don't think that people fully understand that. And uh, well, wait, wait, aren't, you, aren't you on the the uh, Beyond Line of Sight committee? You are, aren't you? Yeah, the inaction team. Yeah, I'm on that. Uh, we've had one meeting in over a year. Uh, it, it, that's really that's a letdown too. I gotta I gotta get back on that one. That was the the FAA committee for Beyond Visual Line of Sight. The action team. It's kind of a letdown. Yeah. But anyway, that's an, that's another one. But anyway, so you know, I'm asking, and uh, Rob, I forget what his last name is. He's he was the guy that was doing the 333 exemptions. Um, but now he's moved on to the Pathfinder thing. And my question was, is, you know, was there any written criteria to participate in the uh, Pathfinder program? This isn't only my thing, but many people in the community believe that the companies that were chosen for the Pathfinder thing have no experience whatsoever, basically newcomers to the uh, industry. And there's people out there, and I brought up like Ted McGear, who been you know they're talking about oh we're going to do tests with the with the scan eagle Tad McGear invented the scan eagle Tad McGear's been eating his drones for breakfast for 25 years you know 
how come you didn't go to somebody like him who's actually a scientist who's been doing it knows it understands you know the nuances of it if you're really looking to move the ball forward instead of going to a company who's got a a product and it's not a bad thing that they're trying to to push the product but you know really is there you know is this thing certifiable I, i i have my doubts and i'm not the only one and there are a lot of people in the community that are saying the same thing. Why did you – there's other companies out there, um, and we'll say even with the present company included, that have been flying for years out in the field, know what's going on, and they weren't picked. Gregory McNeil did try and chase the question down a little bit. He didn't get, you know, heavy about it, but he did uh, he, he did try and uh, push Rob to answer it, but Rob just wasn't touching it with a 10-foot pole. And then after I even approached the FAA and I, a guy and I just told him, I said, you know, this is off the record because people are a little apprehensive talking to the press, but I'm just like, you know, the FAA is not doing itself any favors, you know, doesn't do itself favors when it picks companies to, to do te- technology or technological things that they have no experience in, you know, um, or have, let's say, a low order of probability of being successful. And then also uh, the other thing I brought up was the the measure three thirty three. Yeah, the measure three thirty three. Yeah. Obama's golfing buddy. Yeah. No, nobody thinks that's that's uh, that doesn't pass the sniff test, and you know whatever. I'm not going to talk about his comments, but I just figured from a community standpoint of view, I think it's important that we we point that out and say, hey, you know, here's here's how the community sees this. Um, you should think about that. And so when people beat them up, I think they bring it on themselves. But that's just feedback from the show. Again, that session, you know, one hour to talk about all of the intricacies and nuances of beyond visual line of sight. There's no way you're going to be able to to capture all of that. So saying that um, the shows that are that are put on by people that aren't using it, this uh, this this technology, they they suffer, and I think substance. But I will say some of the other shows. I was at uh, I was the keynote at Geotech at George Mason University. That's the right. Presentations that the presentations that were going on there, Gene. Most of these people, like you, like me, been around, you know, seven, eight, ten years whatever, been using this technology and the, and the work that they're actually doing is mind-blowing. No speculation about how farmers can use drones. No speculation about uses on, on different uh, sensors. These guys, they're out there, they're, they're, they're killing it right now. And they've been killing it for, for years. So uh, excellent presentations. Those are the ones that I'll listen to. You know, some, this guy's a scientist. Not that he's a scientist, but, you know, he's got 10 years of experience using um, unmanned aircraft systems in the field. And they're actually doing things. They're not speculating and talking about what it can do. They know what it can do because they're out there doing it. And they've been all around, and they're kind of like the unsung heroes. There's a lot of people uh, that, you know, there's, that have been out there doing it, and they're just out there kind of doing the work, and they're not all wind and smoke and mirrors and talking about how they're the – you know, drone guy or whatever, they're actually out there learning. Um, so I will say that I've, I've invited a few of those folks to come and speak at the expo and talk about the science that they're doing. I think very important, uh, the stuff that's going on. So, uh, you know, this is how to really use the technology, which I'm into. 
Then the next one I went to, I went to the UAS Mapping Show in Reno, which was a, a, just a nice show. It's actually people doing GIS stuff with uh, with with drones. Uh, right. Some people were the, the mood at the show was it was it was pretty well attended. Uh, mood at the show is it wasn't as good as last year, although I didn't see much of a difference from last year. A lot of of end users and people that own companies that want to use uh, drones for mapping. I think I will say that I think some people have um, come to the realization that the drone is not magical. And you know, wait a minute, it's a little bit harder than just flying a Phantom or a Y6 or a Solo or something else and doing mapping and getting something that's actually, let's say, I'm calling it either you know commercial grade or regulatory grade uh, data. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of, uh, it was likened to either at Geotech, some of the people there were, you know, when Google uh, Earth came out and people were going to be able to do their own surveying and yada, yada. Well, that didn't really work out so well. Lots of promise, but the reality of it was a little bit harder. I think people are starting to realize that with the drone shows. End users are going to have a little bit of a harder time than just going out, buying a drone, throwing it in the air and make it work. A little bit tougher than that. And, and again, the quality of the output. You know, would you? Are you hearing the same type of things? Or sure, and and it's going to be the we've said it before years ago, Patrick, that uh, the data is going to be the meat of the matter, and being able to interpret that data, get collect quality data, is going to be it. So yeah, yeah, that that trend is showing itself in that conference. I, you know, you can collect a whole bunch of data, and if it's no good or you can't interpret it, it's as they say, worthless. Or in the old computer terms was G-I-G-O, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that even in this, uh, the consulting staff talking to companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies are afraid that they won't even be able to do it as cheaply as people they can hire. And then you ask them about, you know, they hire people, and you say, "What well, was the quality of the, the what you got?" Well, we got some shaky video, and you know, is it something that you can use, you know, for like say regulatory um, purposes? No, no, it's not that good, and then it's it's crap, it's garbage. You know, you're paying for uh, what are you paying for? I don't know if I'm going to be worrying about the bottom falling out of the uh, pricing on the drone thing or the drone service thing because uh, quality of what people think they're providing is is not so good. And I don't think it's going to be usable. Other thing I'm going to say is, um, and I've been saying it for a while, and it's funny, it's, it's starting to resonate, but I, I think there's a, the drone bubble's really getting ready to burst. And I think when the regs come out and people see how limited they are, ooh, it's going to be ugly. What do you think? Well, yeah. Um, but as you, as you, and, all of our listeners know that uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. And uh, we're, we're still going to be under the exemption process, the code process for, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say at least another 14 months. Yeah, um, I don't know. The FAA keeps saying, and it keeps getting reported by a lot of the news sites that are now in the drone news business that, uh, you know, June of 2016, we're going to have the regs will be out. Don't tell me you're not holding your breath. 
yeah, no, I have. I don't like looking like a Smurf, so no, I'm not. Well, I think even whatever does come out, from what I've heard, you know, uh, in, inside the circles, people that are pretty well connected, is you'll be able to do the real estate photography, which uh, I think people are starting to figure out that the real estate agents are just buying their own phantoms and doing their own photography, and there's not really any money in that. Sure. But I think that 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 is kind of a harbinger of how limited things will be. And when the rules come out and all these VC people have been pumping tens of millions of dollars into businesses to go out there and capture um, commercial users and all the rest of that, figure out that it's going to be in visual line of sight. And most of that stuff can be done by people not go out and buy a phantom or something else. Sure. Sure. It's going to be hard to be in business. Um, you know, some of the other business models are funny. One of the one of the, the news stories from yesterday was uh, one of the uh, the uh, ski uh, resorts in Colorado will be offering. You'll be able to get they'll have a guide and you'll be able to do the drone video of you skiing down the mountain. Yep. Which I don't. I don't. What I do down the mountain, I don't think you can call skiing. That's <laughs> more of a flailing motion. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, so I can hire the drone to watch me wipe out, you know, uh, down the mountainside. But I don't know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, the 500 feet the rule and there'll be other people and, you know, all the rest of these things. And they got $10 million of investment to, you know, set up this, you know, videography service for the ski slopes. And, you know, is that really going to work? How is that going to work? You know, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny, but the wall that leaves me thinking is, is how come I can't find some VC person that doesn't know how to do math? That's just looking to write a check for some total cockamamie idea. Where are you? Call me. My contact information is on the SUAS news page. I got a lot of good yeah. ideas. Yeah. And they're even better than those. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just not traveling in the right circles. Yeah, you know, I wonder. Well. I wonder if they're going to change the uh, the the lift, the the chair lifts around. If you've got drones that are you know flying, zooming all over the place, you know you could be, <laughs> you could be a target sitting in a lift chair as as you went up the mountain as the drone was trying to to keep up with the skier coming down. Yeah, I don't I don't see how that's going to work. Well, we'll we'll see how that that pans out this winter. But uh, there was one other show that uh, we didn't cover that you went to and I didn't go to. It was the Bar to, Barstow Sar City thing. Yeah, Maybe Barstow Sar City. That. Yeah, they've been doing this for uh, 43 years now. So uh, this show, or this, it's 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 actually not a show. It's uh, uh, two days of training, and they they bring people in from all over with all sorts of skill sets for you know, man tracking and and search and rescue and evidentiary collection and just, you know, you just go on and on and on and on. Litany just cares on how to ride a four-wheeler, you know, in in a search situation. It's just, man, it's just soup to nuts on this thing. Uh, And it's put on by the Barstow Community College. And uh, these people come from all over the place. We, there were, uh, of course, there was a lot of California uh, cert teams, sheriff's offices and things like that. And, uh, of course, I went and presented on using unmanned aircraft in a search situation and uh, was very well received. And and just about all sheriff's 
organizations that I talk to are interested in implementing a drone in the search and rescue scenario. And, of course, it was good news because, you know, as we went to the commercial show, the new numbers were out. And, again, search and rescue has a 93% acceptance rate for the use of unmanned aircraft in the NAS. So, you know, it's it's up there, it's up front, and it's always going to be something that, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. And it was uh, very interesting to hear the different comments from, for example, the Orange County Sheriff were like, nope, we can't fly a drone. We have restricted airspace from one end of the county to the other, and we've got MOAs and the military operation. I was like, wow, you know you can, right? You can do it. And he said, no, no, we can't. But uh, it was interesting having those discussions with them and, and, and providing them with some glimmer of hope that they could actually use these things operationally. But uh, they had a couple of vendors there. Uh, we put up our airplanes and showed them, you know, what we could do with the Spectre and the Vigilant and copters and that sort of thing. The Innova drone was there with us. And uh, all very well received and people very interested and asking really good questions. And I think probably one of the most important thing, things that we got to do there is we got to talk to some of the pilots, to some of the full-scale pilots, and uh, get their feedback and their input. Now, you know, certainly they're, they're, they're concerned about their livelihoods, and uh, they were very glad to hear me say that, you know, look, these little guys are not going to replace you guys. We're always going to need you guys sitting in the left seat or the right seat, depending on what you're flying, uh, to come in and get these people into it. We can't do that. We'll never be able to do that. It's always going to be one of those things where there's going to be a human in the loop. So they were very happy to hear that. So uh, that kind of yeah. rounded out my road warrior trip. Yes, and I'm pretty much I'm done for the uh, for the year. Although there's one other show I'm, I I may go to or should go to. We'll talk about. But I, I did want to touch on one thing. I think it's uh, we have been bad, let's say, ambassadors as a community. You know, like you were saying, if you're uh, go and talk to the man pilots and say, hey, you know, this is a tool and we want to augment, it's much better received than we're coming for your job. You know. And I don't, yeah. and I agree with you. I mean, I don't know, even, the, you know, that's another thing is like these disaster relief people and people going out to the fires and all the rest of it. I, you know, it's great that people want to be helpful, but, you know, just like you even said, there's a way to ride a quad when you're doing an organized search, you know? Yeah. I don't think that people think about this. So when you go out there and you go to a disaster area and you show up with your drone and you're taking pictures, you don't even need to be there with the internet. You could, they could just put a camera on a manned vehicle. They could email you the pictures. You could do the mapping and send it back. I'm, I'm getting. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know that I'm getting tired of it, but I, it just seems to me it's like you just want to be a drone hero so bad. You know, you're going to throw every call caution to the wind and just run out and do something. Well, what are you doing? I think you need to think about what you're doing and who you're who you're talking to and who you're interfacing before you go out there. And that's still a problem with the wildfires. Which, if you notice, the wildfire people, and I introduced you to that woman from the, the forestry, it's, they're yeah. all the shows now. And they got their big red poster, don't fly here, you know. If you fly, we can't. Yeah, and that's all over the world. Australia, people think they're going to run out and they're going to be a, a, 
you know, use the force and the drones and, you know, whatever, be Yoda's buddy. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. But anyway, I think you really need to uh, think about what you're doing before you get into something that professionals do um, for a living and save people's lives and property. But uh, the one other show I wanted to talk about was TAC. I don't know. Have you ever been to TAC? No, I have not. Uh, I never have either. I've been wanting to go, and I was working for the Army. Uh, We would do the White Sands thing. And I would usually go to the International Symposium of Commercial and Personal Space and not hit TAC. But I think it might be time to revisit TAC, which is T-A-A-C, and it's at uh, the... uh, physical science laboratory at New Mexico State University, which is part of the, uh, they're one of the original test sites. And I think what I'm going to do is I will put the um, internet address because it's long. I will, I will tweet that out, but um, it might be something that people might want to think about because I will say, and I've been meaning to write this article about Assure UAS, which is a effort that the FAA has put together. Let's say that the, original kind of DOD and the vendors and their people that were really working these standards and other efforts are kind of coming back around. And there is really a, uh, let's say, a split in thought between the those guys that have been working this thing for the last 15 years, whatever, and uh, the new commercial crowd or the Silicon Valley crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this might be a good place to tag up, touch back, and see what's going on, what they're thinking. I will say, been digging into this, and uh, they're talking total aircraft, you know, with certification and apps being certified and, you know, certified partitions and all kinds of things like that. And some of the work that's been done in the standards group, which kind of fell on the wayside, uh, that's what they're talking about. And they're not talking about the certification being a big deal. Then you have people over here on the commercial side are like, oh, we're coming up with new products, and I'll have an app for that on my phone to do X, Y, Z, or the cell phone's going to be controlling the drone or whatever else. Uh, they're, they're not thinking any of that. And those aren't the work products that the, uh, the FAA is asking people to do research on, all this stuff that's yep. going on out there. And I was also interested to kind of find out that the NASA UTM project is not meshing with what the uh, the work that FAA is putting out or the work requests that they're putting out now. It's kind of strange. So I think it should probably behoove people to go to it and to see what's really going on um, from, let's say, the aviation side of this thing. And, again, yep. I'll put that uh, link, uh, link on uh, the Twitter for people to check out. And maybe I'll go if I, you know, I'm, I get all rested up. Albuquerque uh, is is great this time of year. It's a great time to be out in the desert, and we can visit. You know, it's close to El Paso. You probably fly in there. You could fly in there. You love El Paso, Good. right, Gene? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> right Get there in the battle zone. Love it. Like it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, "Ooh, this is nice." Anyway, all right. Well, that's pretty much it for today. Sorry, we've been, uh, you know, on hiatus, guys. We're going to try and pick it back up now that uh, we're not on the road so much. We can hopefully do some more of these. Um, pick it yeah. back up. It's still that's surprising me too. We we get there. I mean, I look at the statistics, and not on uh, weekends excluded, because it seems like the internet goes dead on the weekends. But during the week, the the podcast gets about a hundred listens a day from the uh, archive listens. 
Not yeah, bad. it's pretty impressive. So uh, people are listening to all of the shows. Uh, great feedback on that. I've, I get people there like, oh, there's a podcast. They get introduced to it, and then they listen to all. I think this is episode like 93. And they listen to all of them and make comments about the ones they like or dislike. Yada, yada. It's great. So we'll, uh, we'll try and pick it back up. So anyway, Gene, any, any closing thoughts from you, sir? Well, just uh, apologize for the bumpy start. This morning, the, well, on this podcast, you know, we were all connected. It just didn't seem to come together for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, we'll work on that. We'll we'll try to make it better next time, right? Uh, absolutely. It's just uh, the service just seems a little clunky, but um, I don't know. I'll uh, I'm going to talk to uh, let's say customer service on this deal and see what's going on. See if we can we can get things smoothed out. Maybe it's an what do they call that when it's an error between the guy in the chair and the computer keyboard? The short. <laughs> like an inter- <laughs> yeah, there's an interface error. So maybe it's just me, but we'll see. Anyway, okay. Well, thanks, Gene, for being on. It was good talking with you. It was good seeing you at the show. I didn't. I didn't. We didn't spend Indeed, a lot of time yeah, it together, was. but it was good seeing you too. All right, and I will be seeing you soon. And uh, have a good week, sir. Adios, my friend. You too. Bye.